fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Numbers 90 through 61 today on the top 150 PPR countdown. Yes, unveiling the 150 best players in our consensus PPR rankings. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, the audio version. Hope you've been watching the video show on CBS Sports HQ all week long. Uh, I have not been on that, just once. But I'm here with Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, and welcome back, Heath Cummings. Welcome back, Heath. Yeah, I was gone yesterday, wasn't I? You were. We missed you. It's great to be back. Well, you know, I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. <laughs> yes, Heath and I are on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast that you should listen to, even if you don't play fantasy baseball. It's that good of a show. All right, so we have numbers again, 90 through 61. Before we get into it, we start with a couple of wide receivers. What kind of player are you looking to draft in this range? Well, this is what, what is it exactly? It's going to be like the end of round five in a 12 team league, or not even that. It's going to be round six, seven, eight, right? Yeah. So obviously, these are starters for your team, um, quarterbacks for sure. Certainly, a lot of starting tight ends. But I think this is this is going to be the area of the draft where people are going to go toward players that they believe will be big time breakouts for them in 2019. Kind of goes without saying, but the guys that you believe are going to be unbelievable bargains, the players that you'll draft, you know, 75th, 85th overall that you were hoping finishes as a top 15 or 20 player at each position. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Running back and receiver, anyway. You're hoping that your tight end and quarterback are going to be top 10, top 5, top 1. Well, yeah. I mean, with the, the tight ends, I'm not sure if they're more than two, but they we do have Hunter Henry and O.J. Howard here, so let's get to it. Numbers 90 and 89 are two wide receivers who are both young, one younger than the other, certainly. Corey Davis is number 90, and Mecole Hardman, the Rookie wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs is number 89. Jamie, I'll give you the first word. Who do you prefer, Corey, Corey Davis going into his third season or the rookie, Nicole Hardman? Uh, I'll still take Corey Davis. Um, it, it's it's clearly contingent on what Tyreek Hill's situation is. But um, I, I think Corey Davis may end up, you know, at first I was, I don't want any Corey Davis. But I, I think, you know, you look at it, Brent Gretsch brought up something interesting about the Titans, just how bad things were for them from an injury standpoint with their quarterbacks. And and A.J. Brown's now dealing with a hamstring injury. I know Adam Humphreys is there. I just think Corey Davis is going to be better than people expect. And he wasn't exactly awful last year under the circumstances of how bad things were for the Titans with their passing situation. With Mariota dealing with the the nerve damage and the elbow issue and then having to rely on, rely on Blaine Gabbert, they have a much better backup situation now should Mariota get hurt again with Ryan Tano. They, they just don't throw the ball that much. I, I feel like if Corey Davis is going to be good, he probably is going to be the only good, the only prolific receiver in the offense. I don't think he, that he's he he's by far it. not exciting. Uh, there, there's still a lot he has to show, but I just don't want to overvalue these rookies re- receivers in the situations that they're in. They have great quarterbacks. They have, and I'm I'm lumping Paris Campbell in with Miko Hardman. They, they're in great great quarterbacks, great situations in their respective offenses, but. There are still guys ahead of them that are going to be problematic for them to become great fantasy assets. Could we file this one under the devil you know versus the devil you don't? Do we know Corey Davis? That's the question. Well, I'll tell you about him. His catch rate's been below 60% each of his first two seasons. He has four touchdowns in 27 career games, uh, four games with over 70 yards. But I think the, the point of it is, like we talk about the third-year wide receiver breakout, 
So we can't just act like a receiver who's played two years is exactly what he has been. Sure. But what if I told you that part of his problem has been the quarterback throwing to him? Oh, I think it has. I dug into this with Sports Info Solutions. 74% of his 112 targets were catchable. That's that's All those from Mariota? I don't know if they're all from Mariota. See, that's the problem because oh, it was Blaine well, Gabbert and it was it was sure messy situation. I, I almost think like his sophomore year is a lost year. And I would also say that like we're talking about pick ninety, so I assume we're around wide receiver thirty five. Forty one. Forty one. Yeah. And I know Adam hates it when I do this, but he did finish <laughs> his wide receiver twenty eight last year. Yeah. 28 non PPR, 29 PPR. That's what I had. And that was just, it was, it was just awful yards. for him. Now, he played 16 games, and if you're wide receiver 28 and 16 games, then you're not really that right. good. Right. But exactly. still. And yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like Ryan Tannehill well, is going to set the world on fire for no, but he's well, better than more games that Mario. I think Mariota is the problem more so than just the quarterbacks in general in Tennessee. So that, right. But that's the question I asked to Jamie was Davis or Hardman. He said Davis, Heath, and Dave, obviously. Yeah. Hardman with yep. an opportunity to step in for Tyreek Hill, who was the number one receiver in non-PPR, number three in PPR with nearly 1,500 yards. Who do you like better, Davis or Hardman? Hardman. Heath? Uh, assuming that Tyreek Hill doesn't play this season. Heath? I think that goes without saying. Uh, I think it's Davis, and, and for me, it's not particularly close. Um, Davis is the number one wide receiver on this team. He's going to get 110 to 120 targets. We're hopeful that Miko Hardman could get 80 to 100 targets. I don't think it's very likely that he gets more than that. And I, we again, there's still plenty of other wide receivers that have com- accomplished just as much as Miko Hardman in that situation right now. Next up is number 88, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny is running back 36, and he's 88th overall. And he just needs uh, he needs carries. Will he get enough to be... Relevant, will Rashad Penny be worth using if Chris Carson stays healthy? I think he's a second or third flex if Carson is healthy, at least early in the year. Uh, Carson has had some injury problems. Penny is the guy this team took as a first-round pick. I would not be surprised if by week 8 or 10 he's leading the team in carries, even if both guys are still involved. And I think this is a good value for him. I agree. I think he's one of those running backs that you're going to prioritize. One of those backup running backs that you're going to prioritize. Um, potentially ahead of Daryl Henderson, who we've talked up quite a bit this week already. Carson's already nicked up. There's probably a chance he misses some time during the year, like Heath said. And Penny should be better than last year. You want to talk about lost seasons. He didn't really have a training camp, and he didn't really get going until later on uh, when he had the chance in Seattle's backfield. And he was good. Rashad Penny had six games with eight to 12 carries, and he was good in, in most of them. Uh, he faced some tough competition. But uh, I guess, you know, on our last show, on our previous show, we talked about how excited we were for the, the potential of Deontay Foreman. Now, of course, Heath wasn't on that show. I don't know how Heath feels about Foreman. He's always been kind of the high guy on Lamar Miller. But, you know, who do you guys think has more upside, realistic upside, Rashad Penny or Lamar Miller? Or, uh, or uh, Deontay Foreman? Penny. Oh, Penny. One set. Okay. Number 87 in our countdown is Jared Cook. He was the number five tight end in fantasy last year. His 10th year breakout. I think Dave's used that joke before. 32 years old going into his 11th season. He was fifth in targets, fifth in yards, fourth in catches, fourth in touchdowns among tight ends. And the Raiders attempted 2.4 more pass attempts per game than the Saints did last year, which is not, a, not an insignificant amount, believe it or not. 
who is excited about Jared Cook? 87th overall in our consensus rankings, and that would make him tight end eight in our rankings. I think I have him ranked the highest based on how our show went today on FFT. And I, I guess I like it because of the landing spot and because I think he can find 100 targets again this year. I think part of the problem with Cook is that he's underwhelmed us because he just hasn't really had the opportunity to do well. I don't think he'll have... He was like the number one receiver in Oakland in the second half of last season after Amari Cooper got traded. Really, that was it. Not going to be the case in New Orleans, but he's he's impressed them so far in OTAs, and I think he gives them that tight end element that they've really wanted in their offense. Going to be their second best non-running back in terms of catches this year. He'll be number third on the pecking order. And as tight ends go, I think he's got a good chance to end up with seven or eight touchdowns this year. Well, look, Alvin Kamara had 105 targets last year. Yep. Where is he going to rank with Jared Cook? You know, where's Cook going to fall? Because oh, I think he'll, I think Kamara will have more targets than Jared Cook. I think he's going to be. I think I said he'd be a checkdown option. He'll be one of two checkdown options for Drew Brees this year. The the most targets over the last two years since they've really cut back on their passing and since they had both Thomas and Alvin Kamara, the most targets any player not named Michael Tar- Thomas or Alvin Kamara has seen in a season has been Mark Ingram with seventy one. Ted Ginn second with 70. Uh, ben Watson had the most tight end targets with 46. Now, I think he's going to see more than 46. I have a hard time getting him past 80. And if he's at 70 to 80 t- targets, I think he's just a, he's a fine low-end option. He's had this opportunity before uh, when he went to Green Bay. And he struggled to stay healthy. He struggled to get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. It took till the end of the season and the postseason for those two guys to start to connect. Um but I, I'm not excited about Jared Cook. I think you had your Jared Cook year last season when he was the only show in town in, in this passing game. So I, I think uh, I'm, I'm with Heath. I think 80 targets is about the max for him. Uh, he'll have those four or five good weeks where you'll be thrilled that he's on your team. And he'll have six or seven weeks where you're like, should I cut Jared Cook this week? So in my opinion, there's six tight ends that you look at as saying these guys are solid. He's, he's outside that group. All right, number 86 now on the top 150 countdown is wide receiver Paris Campbell, rookie second-round draft pick for the Indianapolis Colts. So he's just ahead of Nicole Hardman and Corey Davis. But how does, you know, Jamie's already touched on this, but Heath and Dave, like, where do you see Campbell fitting in with Davis and Hardman? I'll take him ahead of both those guys. But I'm I'm overly optimistic on Paris Campbell and his role in the Colts offense as their slot guy. Um, I'm counting on him getting high volume. I'm, I'm counting on him getting five catches a game. And I think he can average 11, 12 yards per catch. I think he can come through with a decent amount of touchdowns. But I'm looking, I'm looking at him as more of a volume play rather than like a big play type of wide receiver in this offense. And I know that they've got a lot of mouths to feed, but he's, he can run 4-3. He's an improving route runner. I think he'll probably spend almost all of this year as a slot receiver for the Colts. And I think that he's going to be able to put together enough stats to make it worth your while taking him. I prefer to take him in round eight, but if I get him in round seven in PPR, I don't hate it. Yeah, he's my number 60 wide receiver and my number six rookie wide receiver. I worry about the volume just because this is an offense that threw the ball to running backs and tight ends so much and pretty much always has since Andrew Luck has been there. And T.Y. Hilton, we know, is probably going to take 125, 130 of those wide receiver targets. There just aren't that many left with Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, Naheem Hines, and then Devin Funches in the mix as well. I 
I think Campbell needs an injury to be fantasy relevant, and he needs to get over his own injury to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, I don't know what the injury is. Uh, the, the Indianapolis star just says he's dealing with a nagging injury that's keeping him off the practice field. Um, he's not going to start to open the season. They're going to start Funches. Frank Reich is, is very excited about Devin Funches. For whatever that means for his fantasy value, take that into consideration. But they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, they're still going to use Chester Rogers to a certain degree. So I think Campbell's going to struggle for targets. He'll have some splash plays. He's, he's an exciting player. Um, lots of like about him, but I don't think you want to reach for him on draft day in seasonal leagues. He's a great first-round pick in rookie-only formats, rookie-only drafts. But in seasonal drafts, let him fall to you maybe closer to double-digit rounds. I don't think you want to go out and say, I have to have Paris Campbell as a number three receiver on your fantasy team. He's more of a number four option. All right, so Dave's the high guy on Paris Campbell. Andrew Luck has had five healthy seasons in the NFL. He's given us a 1,000-yard receiver every year, but the number two receivers haven't done as well. Only one number two receiver has had 800 yards. That was T.Y. Hilton, who was number two to Reggie Wayne, all the way back in 2012, <laughs> Luck's rookie season. Next up in the countdown, we have Hunter Henry, number 85 overall. Hunter Henry, the Chargers tight end, who missed all of last year with a torn ACL. And number 85 is Henry. Number 87 was Jared Cook. Do any of you like Cook better than Hunter Henry? I've got Cook ranked ahead of Henry. And Heath and Jamie have Henry ahead of Cook. Yeah, they definitely like no Henry way. better. Right. Uh, okay, so Jamie, you said you're not excited about Cook. Are you excited about Henry? Very much so. You know, I think you look at what they have to replace. Uh, no Tyrell Williams, no Antonio Gates from last year's offense. If you're just talking about that production alone, 110 targets, 69 catches, 987 yards, and seven touchdowns. I think Henry could do that by himself. Um, you know, he's got... Uh, well, how many? What was that? 69, 97, and seven touchdowns. I don't think he's going to do it, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he got you the 69 and the seven uh, with about 800 yards receiving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. You know, so um, 2017, he had at least 11 PPR points in seven of the 14 games he was able to play. Um, I, I just think there's a lot to like about him in this offense. Rivers has leaned on the tight end, especially in the red zone throughout his career. Obviously, a lot of this has been Antonio Gates, but uh, Henry was building towards something before that ACL tear, and I think they've been missing the, they missed that element a little bit last year in the passing game. Uh, I think they'll be happy to get that back. How many touchdowns does he score this year? Seven plus. I've got him projected for six, but anywhere between. Yeah, like I would project him for more than six too. I'm not worried about the touchdowns. I think that that, that's just going to come part and parcel with this offense. I'm worried about the volume otherwise. I mean, we've been talking up Mike Williams. He didn't have a lot of catches last year. He had a lot of touchdowns. Does that reverse course now that Tyrell Williams is out? I think that could certainly happen. I think the running backs are certainly going to take a lot of work. I'm a little nervous about Hunter Henry because of of the volume of targets and catches that he'll have. I think he'll be closer to kind of what the guy said for Jared Cook, around 80 or 90 targets. He's only had eight games in his career with more than 70 yards. And um, I, I feel like Gates was just such a special player. I'm not convinced that Henry will be equally special in this offense. I think he's going to be a top 10 tight end, but he's just not he's just not one I'm targeting on draft day. How crazy! Obviously, Dave wouldn't be buying this, but how how likely do you think it is that Henry's better than OJ Howard this year? Uh, it's like almost a coin flip. Yeah. Okay. Jamie, what do you say? I think Howard's got a higher ceiling, but uh, if Henry scores, you know, the eight touchdowns that he scored a couple of years ago, uh, plus what he should be able to, you know, tack on top of that, he could the touchdowns could put him ahead. I have them projected for zero point seven seven points different. So <laughs> wow, so literally yeah. the same exact like stats. a coin flip. 
Okay. Uh, so just last note on Henry. Even last year, Antonio Gates really didn't do much, but he did have seven targets inside the 10-yard line, which, believe it or not, was fourth on the team. There were four players with seven to nine targets inside the 10. All right, Austin Eckler, another charger, is 84th on this list. Why? Why Eckler as, a, as an 84th overall? You have always hated Austin Eckler. Well, I think what's, what's kind of... Like, I think that if Austin Eckler is going to be 84th overall, he's got to be the guy if Melvin Gordon gets hurt. And I'm not convinced that he will because I, I don't think he did all that well last year in his audition in that role. He he didn't really get a chance. He did. I think the... I, I don't no, think he, I don't he, think he did. He's not the guy. No, they kept games. his role very similar when Melvin Gordon went down, uh, and that's when Justin Jackson stepped up. For no, the in the last game, but in the London game against Tennessee, and then I think in the Pittsburgh game, uh, he just didn't really do much. It, He's just, played thirty games. He has six games with at least four catches, five games with at least fifteen touches, two games with at least thirteen carries. I think he's he's strictly a role player for the Chargers. Exactly. That's why I'm saying, yeah, why should I, he be? You don't like him there either? He's outside of my top 100. So who likes Eckler to be drafted? I think this, this is a time? pretty good spot for him. I mean, we did see that before he was actually just about as productive before Melvin Gordon got hurt, maybe a little bit more because of some lucky touchdown stuff. Yeah. But they are, if their defense is as good as we think it's going to be, they're going to be a very run heavy team, and you can't give Melvin Gordon 30 touches a game. I do expect Eckler's going to be in that 8-12 to 12 range and probably somebody that's a better second flex. But he finished the year, I believe, as a top 25 running back in PPR. He was 25th. He only had 39 catches, 14 games. Um, if you're, yeah, if he, you're he, he obviously can catch the ball. If you're 25th at running back in 14 games, that has some value. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he should be on your bench. Okay, Two wide receivers at 83 and 82. They're on the same team. And they are wide receivers. I'm sorry. This shouldn't be taking me this long. Wide receivers 37 and 38. Have you thought about it? Who is it, people out there? I know you're loving this. (laughs) It's two people I might not draft. It's Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. Come on down. So Tate is 83 and Shepard is 82. I don't even know who I like better. Who do you guys like better? I think I'm the only guy that likes Tate better than Shepard. Um, so I guess I'll go first. I just think that Golden Tate has been, other than last year because of the trade and trying to learn a new offense in the middle of the season, which doesn't generally work out well for anyone, he has been, over the last four years, what we're hoping that Sterling Shepard can become. He's been a 1,000-yard guy. He's been a 90-catch guy. It's all going to come down to who gets the most targets. And I will say both these guys make me nervous because if they split evenly in terms of targets, I don't think there's enough here for either of them to be worthwhile in fantasy. So in those four years, Golden Tate played in the slot in a run less, pass more type of an offense that almost used him as an alternative to the run game. And I think that if the Giants did that, he'd be fantastic. But they've got Saquon Barkley. They're not going to do much of that with Golden Tate. Uh, I think Shepard's going to play way more on the outside. Did that last year, the last four games, without Odell Beckham. He averaged 19.4 yards per catch. He had a couple of really nice games. I think he's the better bench receiver in PPR. Neither of these guys are, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on fire for on draft day. But I think that if you're going to take a chance on one Giants receiver, I don't know why in the world you would do this. But Shepard would be my pick because I just think he'll see... Few more opportunities, 
and I think just the the chemistry that he has with Eli Manning and the understanding that he has of the playbook will help him out a little more than with Golden Tate. He, his he, he spends every offseason with Manning. He goes to the passing camp in Duke. Um, his numbers over the last two years without Beckham, they play 11 games together. Um, Shepard's average 12.6 PPR points over that span. So Wait, I, 11, I, 11 games without Beckham? Without Beckham, yeah. Okay. So I, I think, you know, you just look at where uh, Eli Manning's trust will, will come from. I don't think Tate is, is awful, and I think his ADP is actually pretty good. You know, you're getting him in round 10. That's, that's not a bad gamble to take on somebody who could be the top receiver for his team. Um, but you know, both these guys are jockeying for the third best player on the Giants offense. And do you really want the third best player on the Giants offense? You know, so uh, well, they're good wait, value. You, you think they're going to have like worse stats than Evan Ingram, or uh, they, they won't be as valuable? But if Ingram no. were a wide receiver, you know, where would you I rank have Ingram? Ingram with? projected for more receiving yards and receiving touchdowns it, than it, Tate and Oh, that's possible. So that that is a look at legitimate question. If if you were ranking Evan Ingram as a wide receiver, where would he rank with Shepard and and ahead Tate? of them? First, you would be ahead of them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and he basically is a wide receiver. You think he'll lead the like team he... in receiving? Yes. Uh, no, I think Saquon Barkley will. Really? Yeah, I don't agree. Receiving yards or receptions? receptions? Yards, yards, yards. Yards? No, not yards. Yards, I would say Ingram. Receptions, <laughs> I would say Barkley. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it, again, if you can get one of these two guys late, you'll be happy about it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I Well, th- I, I, well again, no, in, you know, in PPR, you're talk- yeah, in PPR. You're, you're talking about guys that, you know, the ceiling may not be very high, or it might be. I mean, you know, again, you're talking about uh, you still have a chance to be a leading receiver on a team that's probably not going to have a great defense. So... You know whether that leads to a high volume of pass attempts. You can argue that, but um, I, I think we could get some garbage time production from these two guys. Yeah. Shepard's track record is 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 a little bit better of late, um, and who knows? I mean, you know, if if Tate is forced to play outside more, if they're just sticking with two receiver sets, that doesn't favor him. Shepard at least can do it. Okay. And for what it's worth, the Giants. I think it was offensive coordinator Mike Shula mentioned that it's going to take Tate a while to really understand the playbook. And remember, he didn't. He didn't grasp it with Philadelphia when he first got there either. Well, that I, was mid-season. Like no, no. I know, but he even he's had more time now, and, and he Mar- still Mar- hasn't Cooper gotten did. it. Amari Cooper did. Amari Cooper did um, because they just I, sold him run. I will also say, as bad as things went for Golden Tate last year, he scored more PPR fantasy points than Sterling Shepard. Well, Shepard oh, missed, missed a good portion of the season. Shepard, I don't know how much time Shepard actually Shepard missed. Five games. No, but Tate and Shepard? Tate in Detroit was no, on pace. Ingram missed five games. Tate in Detroit was Shepard on pace for over Shepard, 1,100 Shepard yards. Shepard played 16 games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Tate, All right, guys, played, guys, we're, we have, I haven't said a word, and we've spoken too much about the Giants. What is going on here? Uh, Baker Mayfield. No, it's a look. It's a tough show because I understand we we got to get to uh, 30 guys. Baker Mayfield is 81. He was the number 16 quarterback in uh, fantasy last year. He is QB 7, I think. Five. Six or, F- five. Oh, I, I think 5 or 6. He's yeah. QB 5. And There's he's no disagreement 81. here. We can go quick on this one. He's going to be awesome. He yeah. averaged 20.3 fantasy points per game last year without Odell Beckham. You have to weigh how much you like him against quarterbacks. Not named Mahomes, Luck, Rodgers, Watson. Yeah, I think Ryan versus Mayfield is a fun debate. Where do you guys stand there? Mayfield. Jamie, say Mayfield. Uh, Mayfield. And I'll say Ryan. Just <laughs> track record, and I like Atlanta's chances to throw a lot this year again. All righty. Yeah, that was the one thing I noticed about Mayfield. After Kitchens took over, uh, when they won, he did not throw the ball much. When you know, the, Kitchens seemed to want to win the game with running the ball, but you know, look again, it, it's a different offense now. I'm very excited to talk about Jarvis Landry, too. i got to read one email here, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. This is a cool email. You guys are going to like this. 
Uh, this is from, oh, don't even have his name. Okay, wait, hold on. Wait, let's go to our next guy, and then I'll read the email. Number 80 is Alan Robinson. I promise it's a cool email. Alan Robinson uh, played, what, 13 games last year? He had 754 yards and four touchdowns with 55 catches. He was on pace for 928 yards on 68 catches with five touchdowns. Uh, yeah, he was uh, he was okay, and he's 80th overall in the top 150. Anybody excited about Allen Robinson? He had two games in non-PPR with more than nine fantasy or more than eight fantasy points. Is that a no? Not excited. That's a no. It's a yeah. no. It's a no from me. He's probably going to be better than where we have him ranked, but I am not excited about him. Ditto. Okay, so would you guys take the Giants guys over him? I would take Tate over him in PPR. I probably still take Robinson. I've got Robinson just one spot ahead of Shepard. Now I'm going to read the email. It's from Dan. Dan says, Aloha. I have a favor to ask. We are taking our four girls out of school early on Friday, June 7th, and taking them on a surprise trip to Maui for a few weeks. On your show, can you please say, Provenzano girls of Simi Valley, pack your bags. You're going to Maui. Provenzano girls of Simi Valley, pack your bags. You're going to Maui. Going to Maui. How cool is that? We get to tell these girls that they're going to Maui. They're listening right now. Have a great trip. All right. I want to go to Maui. Yeah, that's awesome. Dan, what a great dad you are. Good stuff. We We all would love to come with you. All right, another tight end. I heard you guys talking about him on the video show. Major bust potential here for the number four tight end last year. Number 79 overall in our top 150. He's Eric Ebron. Okay, what scares you about Eric Ebron? And and even though I know you're scared, is this an okay spot for him, 79th overall? It's about a round and a half, two rounds earlier than I would like to take him. Uh, what scares me is... One, even if he gets the targets he did last year, the touchdown regression is going to hit him like an anvil. Anvil? Anvil. An- anvil. <laughs> I, yeah, I, did, I didn't pronounce that correctly. But you know what I mean. <laughs> or two, if Jack Doyle's healthy all year, the volume's not going to be there. Doyle out-snapped him, out-targeted him, and Ebron averaged less than five targets per game when Jack Doyle was on the field. He's hurt. They have Devin Funches. They have Paris Campbell. It's just... It, it's dicey to trust Eric Ebron. Yeah. The reasons to trust Eric Ebron would be because he's got a year's worth of work in Indianapolis, and the Indianapolis offense is awesome. Lots of firepower, but it's more firepower now than they had last year. It's part of the reason why I love Paris Campbell. I think we can all agree that there's no chance in hell, you've got no chance in hell, of getting double-digit touchdowns from Eric Ebron. Everybody's no, on board I, with that. No, I'm, How many not, touchdowns I'm not on board with I, I would bet against it, but I know that Andrew Luck throws touchdown passes to tight ends. And I know that Eric Ebron, once upon a time, was a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's more talented than Jack Doyle. I share all of your concerns, but I do think he's a guy that can score more touchdowns than he quote-unquote should, you know, sure. that the targets would indicate. And, and I'll also say with all those concerns, the only guy we've talked about so far that I would take ahead of him is Hunter Henry. Well, so, here's the question. Like, like, these are consensus rankings. I'm not hearing anything. Po- well, Dave's trying to make the case. Who is who is ranking Ebron high enough where he is 79th overall? Like, who's the high guy on Ebron? I think that would probably be me. But okay. it, it, yeah. I mean, I haven't ranked in this range, but I don't want to draft him. 
Uh, okay. I think when we get to OJ Howard, I think that a, a good case can be made to take OJ Howard. And certainly if OJ Howard takes steps toward being a much more regular part of the Bucks offense, he'll be this year's Eric Ebron. I don't have it ranked that way. I've got Ebron ranked two spots ahead in PPR ahead of, of uh, Howard. And it, here's why. I, I think if you take away 20% of his receiving stats and half of his touchdowns from last year, you'll give him 53 catches, 600 yards, seven touchdowns. That's not great, but it would have been the number six tight end in fantasy last year in either format. Mm. And, 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 I, and I think that's the type of potential you have to draft Ebron with. I've got him projected for 54, 609, and 7. So we're, we're right. You're, you're of the same mind as me, I but think you're, you're, just you're lower, not taking him where I would take him. You're just lower on Howard and Henry. Okay, it's well, funny because we'll uh, Fantasy Football Calculator, the ADP for tight ends right now is Kelsey 1, Ertz 2, Kittle 3, Howard 4, Ebron 5, Ingram 6, Henry 7. Does it say where they're being taken? Um... Like, I'd like to know where people have been taking Ebron. So Ebron, 58.3. Yeah. Let somebody else take him at that point. Yeah. And by the way, all this tight end discussion just makes me want to draft one of the big three even more. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have two running backs at 78 and 77 overall in our consensus rankings. And that would make them running backs 34 and 33. They are LaShawn McCoy and Peyton Barber. Are they both starters week one for their respective teams? LaShawn McCoy of the Bills and Peyton Barber for the Bucks. Yes. Yes. Are you comfortable taking them in the 70s? No. Barber, yes. McCoy, no. But Barber as of now. Do you? I think... was happy to take McCoy in the early 2010s. I'm comfortable taking them in the 70s. I don't like. It's you're you're not taking these guys in the 70s if you already have two stud running backs or three running backs. But if you've gone zero running back, these guys can get you started. You're going to take more guys that you're hoping win the job later in the season. And it's it's fine. Do you think that Barber and McCoy are, easy question here, I think, are both in better situations than they were last year? Definitely not in the case of McCoy. See, I, I think he is. I think the, okay. No. Competition, there's more competition, yeah. But, but yeah. the offensive line should be better and the offense in general should be better, right? Sure, I'll give you those points, but he only had 11.5 carries per game last year. It's his lowest since his rookie year, and that was without Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, TJ Eldon on the team. They added three running backs. What does that tell (laughs) you about what they think about LeSean? And there's not room for those guys, because I talked about it in the middle of the season last year. When Josh Allen is playing quarterback, it's not good news for running backs. Yeah, Most mobile quarterbacks are really good for running backs. He was not. They brought in a 47-year-old running back to help LeSean McCoy out. Why is McCoy ahead of Singletary then? If we like, we don't want McCoy because well, the, I don't want because Singletary. Singletary also has three guys that he's got. They to want old with. guys. He's got sixty six years with the running backs and his top two guys <laughs> on the depth chart. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, that's not a good thing. I, well, the other question is like, <clears throat> should we base how much of this year's assumption should we base on Josh Allen's rookie year? You know, I, things could change in terms of. Oh, really? Do you think Buffalo's going to run their way to a bunch of victories this year? Or do you think they'll trail or be in competitive games where Josh Allen's going to have to throw? No, I mean, his, run. the way he could impact a, a running back could change. The, his style That's, of play could change. That, the thing is, I think the reason, and this is more <laughs> hypothesis than fact, more opinion than something you should necessarily believe, but Lamar Jackson helps running backs because they have designed plays where he could run the ball. 
a lot of Josh Allen's run plays last year were not designed plays where he could run the ball. They were not plays where the defense had to worry about is LaShawn McCoy getting it or Josh Allen getting it. By the time Allen runs, there's no other option left. Yeah, but we don't. But again, like I don't know that it's going to be like that this year. I don't think they're going to switch to run an option off. No, but but he could just no. be a more normal quarterback and drop right. back and throw the ball with I the think running. They're going to try and get him to do that, Adam. Right, right. Well, I, I'm not excited about these guys. Peyton Barber, like Peyton Barber, had opportunity last year. He had 234 carries. He was terrible. Do you think that if Peyton Barber is a starting running back, he actually might be good this year? Yeah, I think he said it best. These are guys that can get you off to a good a. a these are zero RB good start. Yeah, zero the thing, the, RB running. The, the thing about Peyton Barber is, if he is the guy in this offense like he was last year, just the play calling alone, because what Todd Monken and Dirk Cutter wanted to do last year, and a lot of it was based on the defense, was having to throw the ball down the field. That's not going to be the same case. Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich will use their running backs more in the passing game. Whether that means it's him, or Ronald Jones, or Bruce Anderson, or please go make a trade for Duke Johnson. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they involve those guys. But I think, you know, from what you, you can kind of gather from what Arians has done throughout his recent track record is he will try and use Barber a little bit more if he's the guy. And so I think there's just, you know, he's he's one of he's he's like Lamar Miller 2.0. You're not going to be excited to draft Peyton Barber, but he can be a flex or a potential starter for you, depending on how your team shakes up. We have seven in the next seven picks. We have six wide receivers. So let's break them up three and three. And the first three are Geronimo Allison, 76 overall, then Marvin Jones, and then I think Will Fuller. Yeah, so it's uh, 76, 75, and 73rd overall. Geronimo Allison, Marvin Jones, and Will Fuller. Uh, We are going to talk about them in just a second. I do need to remind you all about the World Series of Poker and how you can watch. How you can watch events in the World Series of Poker that you can only watch on CBS All Access. What you want to do is go to cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app on your phone or your streaming device. The CBS app or cbs.com slash poker. You can get a free trial, so start watching today. Don't miss any of the action. This is the 50th year of the World Series of Poker. We're giving you a front row seat to the bracelet events including the $100,000 High Roller, the $100,000 Six Max. We're talking about some of the biggest names in the game in a showdown. 25 events you can't watch anywhere else. So the World Series of Poker, if you want to watch it, cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app. All right, so again, those three players are number 76 in the countdown, Geronimo Allison of the Packers, number 75, Marvin Jones of Detroit, and number 73, Will Fuller of Houston. Who are your fa- who's your favorite of this three, uh, Heath? Uh, for me, it's Geronimo Allison. Uh, I think I'm the weird one here because I have these guys ranked in reverse order of what the consensus is. Uh, I do think that there's going to be a second receiver in Green Bay that's going to be good. I expect them to spread the ball around just a little bit more than they did last year when they peppered Devontae Adams with 180 targets or whatever. I think Allison has a chance outside shot at a thousand yards, but I expect nine fifty five to seven touchdowns and uh, a very solid number three wide receiver year. Where do you feel comfortable drafting him? Into uh, the sixth, start of the seventh. Okay, which is right where I'd go for Fuller. And I know that Fuller's got heaps of injury concerns, but when he plays, especially in games with Deshaun Watson, he's on fire. Uh, I've said this before. We're Fuller deep is Deshaun Watson's check down. <laughs> and I love the idea of getting Fuller in that round seven range and then going to get Kiki QT in round 10 
And between those two, you might have a starting wide receiver on your team every week of the season. I like Fuller better in non-PPR, but Allison better in PPR. I think Allison's catches. Uh, touchdowns are going to come down for Fuller based on where he was with with Watson. Uh, you, you know, QT is going to take away some. Hopkins, obviously. I think we're overlooking the fact that they've been trying to find a tight end for the last two years, and maybe they've done so with uh, with Waring. So um, I think uh, Allison, you, you said Heath, he was on pace last year, 4,000 yards. If you just take the four healthy games, he tried to come back for a fifth game, but he didn't really play very much. Uh, he was on pace for 76, 1156, and eight touchdowns over those first four games. So, um, uh, you know, they'll use him in the slot. They'll use him outside. You know, he's going to play a variety of roles for for the Packers. So um, I, I think there's a ton of upside with him this year. Yeah, very consistent for Allison in those four healthy games, 64 to 80 yards in each game. We didn't say anything about Marvin Jones. We'll get to him in a second. But let me g- ask you your thoughts on this stat. Will Fuller played four games with Kiki QT. That's it. The two of them played just four games together. He had the worst stats. Might be in their career, too. Well, yeah, Kiki was a rookie last year. No, in their careers going forward. They may, they may never play together again, <laughs> just so based hurt. on their injuries. <laughs> yeah, but, but Fuller was the worst. Hopkins was just fine. First of all, they played four very tough teams. They played uh, Jacksonville, the Colts, the Bills, and the Cowboys. All four of those teams were among the six best in fantasy points allowed to receivers. But Hopkins had great stats. Fuller had 19 targets. QT had 30 targets. Neither of them were all that good. But does that mean anything to you? In the small sample where they all play together, Fuller was the worst. It worries me a lot because like what the Dave's joke about Will Fuller deep ball being the check down was accurate. But I don't know if it is with QT because he can run those underneath routes better than anybody they've had in the past. All right. What do you think about Marvin Jones going into his seventh season? He's fine. <laughs> He's someone you settle for. Allen Robinson 2.0. Yeah, I'd rather have him than Robinson, but... Okay. I, I'll add that he has been a favorite target of Matthew Stafford for several years now. Doesn't equate to anything. He was terrible last year when he played nine games. He had uh, one in PPR with 18-plus fantasy points, three, four with 12-plus. So he's one of those just bench receivers that you'll be happy to have if your starting receiver gets hurt. Okay, don't let me forget Darius Geis. Darius Geis is in the middle of this wide receiver run. He's 74th overall. But let's go to 72, 71, and 70 overall. Three more wide receivers. D.D. Westbrook, Robbie Anderson, and Mike Williams. D.D. Westbrook of the Jaguars, Robbie Anderson of the Jets, and Mike Williams of the Chargers. I, okay, I heard like enthusiasm for, for Will Fuller from Dave. I heard enthusiasm on Geronimo Allison. Anybody, anybody in this group of three, Westbrook, Anderson, and Mike Williams, really standing out over the three we just talked about? I like Anderson a lot here. You know, I, I think you look at what his role should be in this Jets offense. Um, Prisco was, was there yesterday, drink. Um, with the Jets and um, Adam Gase told him they're going to, you know, move him around the formation, uh, not just leave him on one side. And I know that Chris Herndon is going to get a lot of hype and Jamison Crowder is the guy that they sign. But if you look at what Darnold and Anderson did toward the end of last season, I think that's something they could build on. And I I like the fact that Anderson may see some time in the slot, you know, certainly going to, you know, change some of his routes. Uh, He's in a contract year. I like what he said this offseason that he didn't feel he deserved a vacation, so he didn't do anything. Uh, stayed out of trouble. So I, I think this could be one of the best years for Robbie Anderson. I don't know if he's better than what he was a couple years ago when he you know, had those you know, big splash plays. But uh, as a more consistent wide receiver, this could be his best year yet. 
and I will readily admit that Adam Gase is I've always been the Robbie Anderson guy and I'm scared right now. And I think I'm the lowest on him. Um, the, and I know that they say they're going to use him in different ways, but they have so many players that can handle those short area targets. They've got one of the best pass catching running backs in football in Le'Veon Bell. They've got Chris Hernan. They've got Jamison Crowder and Quincy Anunua, who was already doing what Jamison Crowder can do. And so it, it, I worry about his targets and being in that 100 range. And with the, the efficiency that he's shown through most of his career, that won't be enough to make him a top 30 wide receiver. He wants those targets. He's come out and said it. Oh, I think every receiver in football wants targets. Well, duh, it goes without saying. <laughs> the last four games, he averaged 9.8 targets per. I don't think there's any chance he's going to get that many. So I think his point is valid, but I think he's a receiver you start as a, or you get as a wide receiver three. And he could be a wide receiver, too, at the end of the year. He was in 2017. And the guy I like most, I think, is the guy everyone else likes least, which makes sense. It's uh, D.D. Westbrook. A recent report came out, I think, yesterday about Marquise Lee. He's not back yet. I expect Westbrook. Neither is Westbrook, though. Yeah. Not not, not quite. Not (laughs) quite as serious of a thing. Right. Uh, I expect Westbrook to be the number one wide receiver on this team. I think 120 targets are doable. He caught 65% of his targets. So he's catching all of Nick Foles' passes. And Cody he's, getting, he's only throwing 120 passes this year. He's good. <laughs> they don't hire that offensive coordinator if they don't want to throw the ball more. They're going to throw it. Yeah. Well, and I think, I, okay, two things. Robbie Anderson, same thing I said about Kiki QT and Will Fuller. Robbie Anderson targets in four games without Quincy Anunua, 10.5 per game. Ten games with Quincy Anunua, 5.1 per game and no more than seven in any of the ten games that Robbie Anderson played with Anunua. So not only Anunua, but Le'Veon Bell and Jameson Crowder, as Heath mentioned. That has to be a, somewhat of a factor. And Mike Williams, number 20 in non-PPR, number 32 in PPR. 43 catches, 10 touchdowns. That's quite a rate, only 66 targets. But obviously, of all the wide receivers we've talked about you know, in this, in this range, Mike Williams, Anderson, D.D. Westbrook, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, Geronimo Allison— Nobody's got the pedigree of Mike Williams, who obviously made big strides in his second year. Are we sleeping on a potential star? He was a top 10 pick. I think this is where a lot of those missing targets in L.A. goes. I think, I think he finds more opportunities than he did last year. And I think his touchdowns go down, but his catches and yards go up. I could see him finishing the year with around 800 yards, 60 catches, Seven touchdowns. Now we're going to talk about Darius Geis. 74th overall. He's a running back who's stuck on wide receiver island there in the rankings. Uh, Darius Geis in the consensus rankings is the 32nd running back in our rankings. Your thoughts? I bet he doesn't finish 32nd. <laughs> Might finish 32nd on his team. Uh, there's so many running backs there. It, it's it's just frustrating that, you know, they. Jay Gruden said yesterday he was still inside the facility doing rehab work while they're out practicing, that he's not back yet from this ACL tear. You know, you're hearing reports Trent Williams wants out because of how the medical staff dealt with him. It just feels like Washington is a little bit cursed. I think, you know, to take Darius Geis in this range, um, and, and I'm saying this having him ranked there, it just, you know, you're you're baking in, banking on him showing what he did in college in such a crowded backfield. Because Peterson's not just going to go away. He may be the New Orleans Peterson now, but that's still going to take touches away. They obviously drafted Bryce Love, maybe long-term, maybe short-term. Who knows what his role is going to be. Chris Thompson's going to, for as many games as he as he as he's healthy, 
is going to you know play in the passing game. Their receiving core is terrible, so there's not going to be a real threat of okay, we have to you know play back and worry about these guys. It just feels like you know guys could be in a bad situation. Now I say that, but talent wise, he could be awesome. I just like to see him healthy. Right, he'll be a tough one. He'll be a tough one on draft day for sure. And you heard it there in Jamie's analysis. The cons and then the pro is we you know a lot of people think he's just supremely talented. We don't know what he's like after the torn ACL. It's it is taking quite a while. Uh, any other thoughts, or should we move on? I mean, obviously he's ahead of Peyton Barber and the Sean McCoy because he's more exciting, right? The ceiling is so much higher for him. Right, right. But he's behind. A lot in the way. Well, then let's transition to to the next running back off the board or in the rankings rather, and that would be Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, the rookie running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, checks in at RB thirty one. And number 69 overall on the top 150. So does anybody like Geis better than Sanders? Consensus rankings has Sanders ahead. Does anybody actually like Geis better? No way. I've got Sanders just barely ahead of him. I have Sanders nearly 20 spots ahead of him. I I am scared of Miles Sanders too, but Dave is not. So I'll let Dave be optimistic. Sanders also dealing with a hamstring injury now. It's keeping him off the field. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's June, thankfully, but yes, worth certainly worth noting. All right, Dave. But so you, be the last thing you want is these soft tissue injuries to start becoming an issue. True. More importantly for me, if you're a rookie, I want you to be on the field with the guys, learning the plays, and being a part of the offense. Sure. I don't think anybody's drafting Miles Sanders, or you shouldn't draft Miles Sanders to be your RB two to begin the season. I think this this is a running back who you just have to draft and be patient with. You can't cut him because he gives you a zero in week one and because he only gives you 25 fantasy points in the first four weeks of the season. He is, he's got three down running back potential. I know we don't really think about three down running backs in Philadelphia. They like to use multiple guys, but he could in time be that guy for them. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry in college had nine touchdowns. Yeah. I I think the second half of the season could be very good for miles Sanders. And that's what you kind of have to draft him for. The comparison I made on on HQ today was that he could be like Nick Chubb or Sony Michelle, you know, where the beginning part of the season may not be the best for your fantasy roster, but by the end of the season he could be. How do I fit him into my lineup, or I must play him because he's that good? Look, it's a great offensive line in Philadelphia. You look at the. It, it's really, it's Jordan Howard, and then there's going to be one other guy. I don't know who it's going to be. Smallwood, Clement, Boston Scott. They still may bring back. Uh, Darren Sproles, Josh Adams is on the roster. It's very similar to, to Washington. There are a lot of mouths to feed, at least right now. But I think they'll probably pare it down to Sanders, most likely Howard as the second guy, and then we'll see who's the third option. And by the way, if if Miles Sanders' injury lingers, that's good. His his ADP will slide, and you can get him and be patient, just as patient with him with that if you're getting him in round eight, nine. That comes to pass. You should dance. So let me ask you guys this. Why is Miles Sanders 69th in the top 250 and David Montgomery of the Bears is 54th and he's RB27 compared to Sanders' RB31? Sanders was actually drafted ahead of Montgomery in the NFL draft, which certainly doesn't mean he's going to be better, but it, I think it's important to note they're both second-round picks. It's not like one was an eighth-round eighth pick. I really just said that. It was a fifth-round pick. Um you know, and there's obviously crowds in both backfields, but quite frankly, I think eh, I don't know who has easier. There's a much there's a um, there's a bigger share if you look at his 
historically, when these two coaches have been in their spots, there's a bigger share available in Chicago. And I think players are drafted for talent and in the NFL draft. And I think Montgomery's better than Sanders. Yeah, I thought Sanders was better than Montgomery coming into the draft, but I just think Montgomery landed in a much better spot. Okay, let's move on. We'll talk about Montgomery on tomorrow's show. We've got wide receivers, 68 and 67 in the consensus rankings. They are Christian Kirk and Alshon Jeffrey. We're now in the top 30. Mike Williams, we talked about him. He was wide receiver 30. So Christian Kirk is wide receiver 29, and Alshon Jeffrey's wide receiver 28. We're in the top 70 in our overall rankings and the top 30 in our wide receiver rankings. Um, yeah, these guys are very different. Kirk or Jeffrey, who do you prefer? Kirk. I've got Kirk one spot higher. Yeah, there's there's feels like there's more to like with Christian Kirk's upside, but Jeffrey's safer. He's a little underrated, maybe, Alshon. He's like, very underrated, yeah. He's been extreme, extremely reliable. If you need between 790 and 850 yards, he's done that four years in a row. I can't tell. While well, missing time to an injury, too. I can't tell if you're saying that like derisively. Yes. Well, you shouldn't be. Because his 16-game pace was 80 catches, 1,038 yards, and seven touchdowns on 113 targets. Kirk That's won't do that. damn good. And let's let me also say this before but that would also be his best year since 2014. Well, he doesn't stay, he doesn't stay healthy, so you're really looking at per game. Before Golden Tate arrived, he was really good, and he had two pretty bad, bad games, and they were against Minnesota. <coughs> Jeez, you want me to say Pete Prisco's name so you can drink? They were yeah, please. Uh, you just did. They were against Minnesota and Jacksonville. Other than that, he was like a number one wide receiver, uh, uh, you know, legit. So yeah. I, he hates Alshon Jeffrey, and I don't, so I enjoy the argument. <laughs> um, my biggest concern is he's averaged about seven targets per game since he got to Philadelphia. That would concern. He is, yeah, okay. Do you think Kirk gets more than that? Maybe. No. I don't think either of them get seven targets per game. I think Jeffrey will. I don't think Kirk does. No, I, I think Alshon's going to lose a little bit of his share with Deshaun coming in, and they're going to use Dallas Goddard more. Well, he already took 70 targets off of Nelson Aguilar. Right, I know. He's, he's done. It's over for him. Nelson Aguilar's gone? Well, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he he's going to be he a took, good bench player. He, he gave He'll Aguilar, get one or two targets. They could trade week. him. He took Aguilar from 97 targets to 27. All right. That's yeah, fine. That the same it's way. like one and a half targets per game. <laughs> no, th- I, I don't think Dave is crazy there because I think they could trade him. They, they were rumors that they were trying to trade him. They well, don't, I don't know gone. who's going to trade for him. There, there's 90 targets gone. Who, who wants Nelson Aguilar? The Eagles because they haven't got rid of him yet. Because they need it doesn't mean they want him. Look, 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 look. Here's what I like about Kirk. The offense that he's in is perfect for him. It's one he's familiar with. It demands precise route running. Kirk can do that. I think Kirk proved last year that he can work on the outside. He's been better in the slot. But he's already got familiarity with Kyler Murray. And I'm not just talking about OTAs. The two were on the same team at Texas AM for crying out loud. They know each other. And it was in this system. He's going to be the first Cardinals receiver drafted, and I think he'll be the best Cardinals receiver. And we've talked about getting pieces of this Arizona offense. Obviously, David Johnson's going to be numero uno. I think Kirk is going to be number two. I, I think Kirk's better in PPR. Alshon's better in none. You can definitely make that case, yes. Next up in the rankings, we have O.J. Howard, 66th overall, fifth tight end in our rankings, tight end five. After that, we have three wide receivers and two running backs that we will group together. But right now, O.J. Howard kind of stands alone here. He's in our consensus rankings. Howard is ahead of Eric Ebron. He's ahead of Jared Cook. He's ahead of Hunter Henry. 
And, uh, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that, that Humphreys and Jackson are gone because Howard needs more targets. Five touchdowns on 48 targets. You can't expect that kind of production. But there's there's really a lot to like here with O.J. Howard. Uh, I think if I could get him 66 overall, I'd be pretty happy. What about you guys? Thrilled. Arguably the most talented tight end in the NFL. I, I think you make fun of me for that, but he honestly is in that class. I mean, I don't, I don't really know why you don't see that. I, I'm not saying he's Travis. As an Kelsey. athlete, he might be the best. Tight end he's a freak. Like, there's yep. a reason why he came into the NFL draft as the most hyped tight end prospect in like a decade or something like that. So I, I don't really know why you, you get I on me for that. I thought that was the best way to inspire the best breakdown of OJ, OJ Howard. I think we can move on now. Um. Okay. Does he? <laughs> What's the downside of O.J. Howard? That uh, he hasn't been used enough. He had 48 targets last year. Yeah. In, injury. In 10 games, 48 targets. 4.8 per game. Yeah, not and good. And 3.6 over the course of his career. So what What are we missing? Because I agree 100%. He's supremely talented. 11 touchdowns in 24 games. It's pretty much what you want out of a tight end outside of the big guys. Yeah. All right. What are we? Well, so what are we missing? And can Bruce Arians... Turn him into Superman. Well, I mean, what part of what was missing was an opportunity, and like 300 targets are gone now. Over under Humphreys and all those guys, yeah. Over under 85 targets. Under, I but it it should be over. Like I, I, he sh- he should be around 110 targets. I've got him at 53, 794, and six. 794 targets. 794 yards. He oh, should have yards. 794. Every target goes to OJ Howard. Uh, he's going to be awesome this year. Yeah, he's I, my number five tight end. I like him a lot. Dante I think Pettis, if you're drafting for upside, he's got to be your number five tight end. Dante Pettis is 65th in our rankings. We have three wide receivers to get to here. Dante Pettis, Tyler Lockett, and Jarvis Landry. They are 65. Let me just make sure I get the numbers right. 65 is Pettis. Lockett, 63. Landry, 62. They are wide receivers, 27, 26, and 25. Who's your favorite? Pettis, Lockett, Landry. Lockett. Uh, yeah, Lockett. Pettis for me. No vo- no love for Landry. No. His own coach doesn't even like him. Yeah, <laughs> I, Not I, even I, sure his quarterback likes him. The, uh, the stat I, I dug up this... Uh, had the old calculator out on the iPhone. Uh, last four seasons, Landry's been wide receiver 12 to 22 in non-PPR, wide receiver 6 to 19 in PPR all four seasons. He has gotten 26 to 28% of his team's targets, and he has been the number one target, number one on his team in targets every year, and not even close. 41 more targets at minimum than number two. That is obviously going to change. And I see Landry going a lot higher than 62, and I always think it's like the worst pick in the draft. But 62 is more interesting. He played eight games um, after Freddie Kitchens took over. Oh, yeah. His 16-game pace, 64 catches, 896 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah. He averaged less than seven targets per game, and that was before Odell Beckham. He lost five targets per game after the coaching switch from Haley to Kitchens. Yeah, strange. Not good. Uh, Lockett and now Odell Beckham Pettis. is there. All right, well, that's our, those are our thoughts on Landry. But just in a nutshell, do you think in the 60s is okay for him? Absolutely. I think it's a little too soon. 
Lockett versus Pettis. Uh, who is Dave? You said Pettis, and the others said Lockett. Right? I did. All right, why Pettis? I think he'll be the best receiver in San Francisco, and uh, get the most targets, catches yards, touchdowns. He's more than just a deep ball threat. He can line up anywhere, and I, I think he's talented. I think he's really talented. Put on weight this off season. Uh, I, I would look for him to take take a jump forward, similar to what we saw from Lockett, but on much more volume. Lockett last year. Dave Heath or Jamie Heath, Lockett? I think Lockett's better just because I think he'll move into the slot where Doug Baldwin spent a lot of time, so that'll help him with his you know additional targets. He was in, you know certainly extremely efficient last year. He was among the top twenty four receivers. He was the fewest in terms of targets. Um, I don't expect a huge leap in that regard, but I still think you look at what uh, this offense is. I don't think the additions of DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings will change how Lockett is, you know, still the most targeted guy there. Whereas in San Francisco, while there should be a more volume in terms of the passing attack, uh, they added Debo Samuel, they added Jalen Hurd, they should get more out of Marquise Goodwin this year. There's also still the George Kittle factor, plus what they do with their running backs out of the backfield. So Pettis had a great four-game stretch, and I'm hopeful that translates into more production, but I don't think his ceiling is as high as Lockett's. Okay, and then let's talk about two running backs to finish out today's show. Numbers 63 and 61 in our top 150 countdown. I lied. Number 64, pardon me, and number 61. It's Lamar Miller for the Texans, checking in at RB30, and Tevin Coleman for the 49ers at RB29. Lamar Miller and Tevin Coleman here. Okay, so Miller, you know what? Like, Heath, I'm going to let you talk about this. The guy never scores. He has averaged in three seasons with Houston 260 carries per 16 games and 4.7 rushing touchdowns per 16 games. Is that why we don't think Lamar Miller is that good? I mean, I think that's part of it. He's also, for a couple of years, he was wildly inefficient. He's not fun to watch. It's not particularly exciting, but he just, like, it's five straight years now that he's been better than this ranking. I think he finished 22nd last year. He was a top 20 guy for four straight years before that. There is a little bit more risk this year if Foreman can recover, but we've never really seen a running back recover from Achilles injury and come back and be as good as he was before. So I think this is an appropriate place to take Lamar Miller. Anyone else want to weigh in there? I think the, the other thing that's sort of unnoticed about Miller, he just he's not involved enough in the passing game. Like he doesn't make a big impact there. But and he, Bill O'Brien talked about that. You know, he said that's just never been something that this offense has done. Um, he he indicated that they're going to try and do it a little bit more this year, but until we see it, it's hard to necessarily count on it. But I think you know when you get to this point, this is you've probably gone. Two running, two receivers, one running back, uh, and and maybe a tight end or quarterback, and you're kind of like, okay, what what's the best thing for my fantasy roster here? Unless you're taking them as number three running backs, they're not bad guys to settle for if you're thrilled with those first five picks or four picks. You talking about Coleman and and Miller? Yeah, both those guys. Mm-hmm. If you draft Miller, do you feel like you should also draft Deontay Foreman? It's not a huge investment. No, because you're getting Foreman round nine, ten, eleven. Sure. I think it's fine. I won't force it. I'm not going to draft him a round or two earlier than I have to, but if he's still there when I think it's good, I'll take him. All right, then Tevin Coleman, we haven't talked about him. 
He was a top 20 running back last year with uh, about 1,100 yards and nine total touchdowns. Did a lot in the passing game. Was kind of like he only had three games with more than 60 rushing yards, five games averaging 2.2 yards per carry or worse. So it wasn't pretty for Tevin Coleman. But obviously it's a different situation now. How do you think he does? I, this, this is a mystery right now, right? Well, what's the mystery exactly? Yeah, the carries, the catches. Uh, how it gets split up? Yeah, the whole thing. Okay. Um, he's finished as a top 24 running back each of the last two seasons. And that's splitting with Devontae Freeman one year and splitting with somebody else for a big chunk of the second year. I think he's a pretty good player. And I think Shanahan recognized that it's somebody who's familiar with the system and he wanted to bring him in. He's got the best size. He's the most physical running back. And not that he's a super physical guy, but compared to McKinnon and Brita, he's the most physical. He's healthiest. He's got just as much versatility as the other two. I think that makes him the most appealing 49ers running back. I don't think anybody's questioning that he's the most appealing 49ers running back. It's, you know, how much work? What's what's his upside if you're taking him in in the round five range? Um, If McKinnon and Brita are healthy, I think Coleman's going to struggle to be a workhorse type of guy. If they're injured, then the workhorse potential is, you know, off the charts in an offense that has been very good for running backs over the course of Shanahan's tenure as an office coordinator head coach. But, you know, if the reports are accurate that McKinnon and Brita, Brita's dealing with the torn pectoral, McKinnon's still coming off the ACL, if they're accurate that they'll be fine for training camp, then it's going to be what's the the breakup of touches for the three guys. And is it only three guys? Will they give Raheem Mostert some touches too? That's hard to expect, but I think all three guys are going to have some semblance of a role if they're healthy, and that could be the problem for Tevin Coleman. He could be the leader of a very good running back by committee. I have Coleman actually at number 61 overall, and he's at 61 in the consensus, so I agree entirely (laughs) with his ranking. I have him projected for 223 touches this year, about 1,100 yards, and seven touchdowns. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm fine with that. I'd love to have that, and... I he, think the under. He's he's the yeah. I I think he'll be close to that, but just not. That's if the other guys are are healthy. By the way, he if basically hurt. Then he can. Yeah, of course, if you if he's, he if, he, if the other guys are hurt, and there's definitely potential for one or both of them to get hurt over the course of the season because they are who they are. Then I think he's got top fifteen, maybe even top twelve potential. But I, I I think he's going to be a number two fantasy running back by the end of the season, and you should draft him as a low end number two running back. That is going to do it for numbers 90 through 61 on the countdown. We've got two episodes left. Hope you've been enjoying them. Uh, Congratulations on your Hawaii trip if you are listening and going to Hawaii. That was an exciting moment for you. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for listening again. We'll come back tomorrow, number 60 on the countdown. Can I I curse again? No, is Aaron Rodgers. So that's it. We're starting with two high. We're starting with three high-end quarterbacks tomorrow. So I want to thank Dave, Jamie, and Heath, and I'm ready to rock and roll on on. Thursday. Talk to you later. Wait, wait, wait. Jamie, Jamie, how would you describe the top three quarterbacks?